and welcome to another edition of Turn Out a Punk. Footnotes, I'm one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend too, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you, Dan? I'm doing A-OK. Uh, tell me tell me about uh, the, the fun times you had this past weekend, my friend. You went and saw... You don't have to get into what the party was for, but you went and saw some bands play this weekend. <laughs> yes, I did. I saw a lovely group called Uncontrollable Urge, who are sort of regionally in our area. Good band, offshoot sort of of the TV Freaks band, which is also another band I recommend people check out. But uh, another group that played was one I shouted out uh, on our last year-end sort of thing, uh, which is, they're called Tommy and the Commies, who are excellent. And uh, so I got to finally see them perform their excellent new LP called Here Come, which also, I believe, I spoke to one of them about, and this will interest you and some people like us, I should say. Uh, I believe they said they had Tim Warren uh, get it mastered, oh, which very impressed cool. me greatly. Yeah. So, uh, and it sounds great, but I don't know if that's, you know, I had a very, very, very brief discussion with one of them about it. And I just was like very impressed that that was mentioned so anyway great band check them out but yeah it was a good show awesome awesome i uh did not get to any shows this week i'm getting ready for a tour yeah so i was home kind of like running around actually i went i went away with my my brother and holden my eldest and so you know didn't didn't get a chance to do too much concert going myself but i did get a chance to read up on i'm going to say out of any top 10 list this year, any lists of the best things this year, the most well-researched ones, and those are yourselves, Chris. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you very much. It was a, uh, it's a labor of love. <laughs> yeah. This was like, like a lot of people throw together top, their top 10 list, you know, and there's, there's some people that will put a little bit of work into it. Chris, you put in like, I'm going to say a good two weeks worth of work into this thing. Yeah, that's true. It was. Um, one person I definitely want to shout out, though, because I do feel is another person like myself is, uh, of course, show part of our lovely show family. Uh, Mr. Dave Martin also does an excellent job. And uh, I definitely worked off of his some of some some of things that he had put out there, mm-hmm. uh, which were excellent, are excellent. Uh, and I recommend if people have seen his stuff to go check it out. But I uh, love yeah, Dave Martin stuff. And I think Dave Martin probably probably the best taste in music out of anyone I know, like, you know, for rock music. Yeah. Um, but Chris, his list did not have, you know, <laughs> a, some of the things that your list has, which I found incredibly uh, in- fascinating to read about or to remember on and think back about, like from shoes to rap beefs to things <laughs> I didn't understand involving people wearing um, soccer jerseys. You know, it was it was a it was a wide ranging list. Well, yeah. So I guess to give context here, so I do this sort of just for myself. I've done it for a very very long time. I do like a year end sort of recap. What started happening in recent years was uh, when I didn't have a lot of time actually in the last few years up until present. I would just kind of recollect things that happened over the years. So it wasn't always – at first it was always just music. Mm-hmm. And then I would think like, well, no, this kind of awesome thing happened. So I just want to put that on the list too. And then it snowballed. So I, I kind of do a general culture list, so to speak, 
of good things that happened. And then I do sort of a really, really thorough music investigation. And with zero exaggeration, I listen to, uh, I don't know, not counting what I listened to uh, through the year already that happened to be released during the year, but I would say over the last two weeks, it was something like, I don't know, 100, 150 things, mm-hmm. I would say, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't think sounds like a great amount, but it actually is when you really give it the full time to kind of sit and listen to it. Like, would you uh, give it the full time? Was there shit that you're just like, oh, fuck this time. There's no way I'm getting through this whole thing. Some, some. When I knew I didn't like it outright and I knew it wouldn't serve my purposes, but no, I, I didn't do that a lot though. It was only probably, uh, honestly, a handful of records at most. Like like less than five, no joke. And I, I full played every everything else. What's the worst so, thing you heard this year? Uh, the worst thing. Well, I don't know. I want to throw a lot of shade because you know whatever. It's I'm trying to be respectful. But there, a record I did not like, which is not for me, uh, was this record by TV Smith. Uh, I'm going to pull it up right now. Called Land of the Overdose. I think it's called. Wait, I really Smith from like yes yes that TV the Smith. Advert? Yes, oh. and uh, I did not enjoy that record. Uh, but, you know, again, it's not for me. It's just, you know, but that was one of the ones, if I had to like, that really just did not sit with me. Um, I think it's called Land of the Overdose. Ex- the lyrics are excellent, though. That's the ironic part. The lyrics are really excellent on the record. I just really didn't like the record at all. And it is, Have yeah. Have you heard Land- Baby Shark, Chris? No, I didn't hear that, no. Okay, well, guess what, buddy? There's There's... There's there's my worst one for the year. When you have well, kids, yeah, like, there's I'm a whole sure, new like, bottom. <laughs> yes. I'm not saying this again. Like that's not meant to like, you know, isolate. That, that was just one of the ones I that really didn't agree with me. Like I what I would do, my process was I would scour a lot of general lists of things, especially even people like Dave Martin, like real heads out there, and then I would and then I of course I have my radar and some stuff, so I'd just collect it all, go through it all, try to do it by genre even if possible. And then, yeah, but there was just some things and when, when they were on lists and whatnot and they don't, they really didn't hit with me. I was kind of shocked and it was very, very rare, but that was the one that jumped out at me again. All due respect, not trying to be a dick, just not my thing. It's Um, weird because I didn't see the Terry Funk record at number (laughs) one. Was it number two and I just missed it, I guess? No, you missed it. Didn't make my list. Although I, I love that Weird. made yours. Completely yeah, I just do list, a, but you know. I do have though I do want to, if you will you will oblige me. Um yes. I did do a more thorough punk investigation, so I felt like the stuff I shouted out last time, if you wouldn't mind, we go into just briefly. Oh totally. Um, so let me just call it up here. But like yeah, the uh so when we last did the best ofs, there was certainly things that were on my radar then, but I did catch some stuff that I missed that I really felt was quite good. And uh, I would like to give a shout out here. I'm just trying to call it up if I can find the bloody thing. Um, But yeah, so I I was able to kind of sit down and do a more thorough thing. One of the records, as you mentioned on the bumper of, I can't remember what episode, last episode maybe. No, it was on uh, the Danger Aaron episode. Or Danger Aaron one, yeah, sorry. Was the uh, um, uh, Special Interest Spiraling is excellent. That was one of those records I missed um last year sort of in the mix but it's great it's not sort like a an atypical punk record it definitely has elements that are more like artsy or even uh you know slightly i don't know electronic's the wrong word but not dancey but not electronic if if you get my drift yeah no it's great i love that it's a great record um but uh yeah so uh, stigmatism demo i showed it out waste minute yeah so the shit record 
I really got to give more time to. Yeah, it's I called forgot what, that one too. That was that's also yeah. It's called What Do You Stand For? And I think Damien and I have because we're you know close to this. The, the people you tend to like, you know, sadly take that for granted. That's a really really strong LP, I think. Yeah. And I had it really high up. Uh, highly recommended for people that like uh, that sort of stuff. Another one that caught me was this band Lysol. They have a single called Teenage Trance, and I, I can't remember what the B side is, but anyway, it's on Neck Chop. It's fantastic kind of like sleazy aggro sort of stuff um public acid easy weapons is in like an indie release that's like kind of like big in people's worlds for the year it seemed and that was also excellent total rager uh that one you shouted out i finally got to check out on static shock that idiota civilizato i don't know how to pronounce it yeah, it's great. That's a great record as well. Highly so sick, that thing. Um, another one, I think this band's from Sweden. I'm not 100%, but anyway, it's a self-titled 7-inch from this band called Profoss. P-R-O-F-O-S-S. It's on Adult Crash. Fantastic record. And again, another Rager. That's a great um, label, too. They put a lot of good shit. Yeah, totally. I shouted out the Vile Gash record. That's great. Warthog was also great. Uh, Rick yeah, and the Warthog Pigs. record's fucking incredible. It is. That band is great. Like, period. They're... Um, but yeah, Rick and the Pigs, I also put on, it's a collection called the Child's Gator on Total Punk. Fantastic. It's like a cross between like the penetrators and like, uh, like, like the dictators and like, it's fantastic. That band is so good. I cannot recommend them enough. Uh, your, well, you weren't, I don't think directly involved, but that Raise Your Voice Joyce comp is unreal. It's unreal. I'm not involved in it at all. Yeah, that is real for people that, you know. These are records, like, these are ones that are, yeah. Um, there's a band called Condor. Uh, that Bastia band, or ba- Bastia? Bastia, okay. the second band or the third band on the Razor Voice? Oh, on Voice? the comp, sorry, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, fucking, in, not Bastia, because that's the uh, Italian band, or the Italian only band, right? Yeah, um, it, but, I will tell you. It's fucking incredible, that song. Holy it's a really, really great God. compilation. I like, and I, I realize like it seems like silly maybe for Damien to be, but Damien's not on it. So I'm not on it at all. I had nothing to do with it. Like, th- like this to me is like, I don't know. Like this is one of those things where I am so glad I'm not involved in it, even in any capacity. Like, you know, like I really d- did like that David's Town compilation. Yeah, it's great. Um, That's also great. So, but because I was on it, I could never say that. But this time, I have <laughs> yeah. nothing to do with it. Yeah. You know, even though I did have the worst song on the David's Town comp, like I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. No, I don't know offhand, but you're silly. But I did this write comp, some lyrics for some other songs, but that was This a, comp, though, the you know, that comp is excellent. And this Raise Your Voice Joyce is excellent. Oh, it's better. It's, it's, so, it's so fucking insane. And that, like, it's it's obviously the songwriters involved, in, and then it was Jonah kind of going there and, and, yeah. and working with everyone and, and just kind of putting this thing together. Um, yeah, but fuck, this thing, that thing rips. Yeah, so huge credit to those involved. I really enjoyed it. Again, I knew I would like it, but I, I threw it on and it's, you know, it beat out some records that I had to like put it ahead of because that was so strong. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a band from France called Condor who has like a single, a cassette single. It's just self-titled. You can find it on YouTube. And then uh, another big one to shout out is this group called Gen Pop who released a 7-inch called Two on Feel It. Mm-hmm. And it's excellent. Um, so that's the, that's the top picks, but there were some other good ones like, uh, the physique LP on iron lung is great. Uh, of course I showed up more wound man's another one. That's one you got to hear Dame. There's a group called wound man also on iron lung. It's a record called prehistory. 
and it's like total modern power violence, like legitimate. It's 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 uh, really really strong. That was awesome. Yeah, and uh, duh, 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 what else didn't I shout out here? Uh, I, I think this is how it's pronounced: Toscos, T O Z C O S, and it's Suenos des. I don't know. I can't speak Spanish, but des Deceptivos. Okay. Anyhow, that's a great record too, uh, and that about covers it. Awesome. Well, it's been a, it, like you know, like that's the thing is when you actually get into it and go in and listen to these records, there's still like unbelievable punk and hardcore records coming out. Yeah, totally. Um, that Turnstile LP, um, which I didn't really, I don't think I showed it on the show. You did. Yeah, you did. Did I show that one on the show? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Nothing LP, did I say that one on the show? I don't know. No, that was the one you might not have, but that is good. Yeah, it is really good. Uh, there's like, there's just so much stuff coming out that, uh, you know, that's, that, that I'm into, you know, that I'm into, that I'm, 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 I'm uh, you know, feeling into, feeling it. Yeah, um, I didn't mean to divert this too much. I just wanted to make sure to get all that out for the people that are like footnotes aficionados. That'll be a uh, food for them. Um, also, like, because this you know artist became one of the most popular artists in the world this year. But uh, have you listened to much Juice World, Chris? No, I'm aware of the name though. There's like a there's like a song he's got, which which I swear to God, it's like it's got to be influenced by Blink One Eighty Two. Okay. <laughs> like just the vocal pattern. It's like I can almost picture Tom DeLong singing it. Gotcha. So, he can go too. Like I, I there's this I watched a freestyle that was like super fucking long that he did on a radio show. Like I don't know, maybe maybe it was like thirty minutes. Maybe longer. Wow. Um so it, it you know. But yeah, definitely influenced by Tom DeLong. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So am I in some way. So aren't we all? I don't know if I am, all due respect, but yes. <laughs> I, I know you're a boxcar racer fan, Chris. <laughs> yeah, definitely it's not. starting to sound like that Blink-155 podcast now. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's never, it's never been my thing, but, uh, you know, do you. <laughs> <laughs> you never saw him? You, you never went to any of those Blink-22 shows? No, I think we've covered this on the show before, but no. I never had any of those records, never never was in that band. I do have a uh, a good friend that is massively in, into all that, though, so I am aware of it. Well, that's that's a, a careful way of disguising your true fandom. <laughs> uh, hey. Anyway, we've got, we've got to talk about some, I guess, like, you know, minorly tragic news and some majorly tragic news. So... Uh, I don't know. What should we dive into first? I guess we should uh, uh, build our way up. Um, I guess er earlier this week, it was announced that Maximum Rock and Roll, the venerable punk institution that, God, put all of our bands on, Chris. Like, put everyone that came out of punk's band on first. True. Yep. Um, They're shuttering their physical production, which is a sign of the times. A lot of people have done it. We've seen it happen to... Tons of magazines in this era. I think Max Rock and Roll was one of the last that people thought it would happen to, though. Yeah, I think so. That seems to be the general consensus. I think there was a lot of people that, you know, were very surprised. I think because it it had held out so much longer, like there was a lot of other magazines of that similar ilk um, mm-hmm. that did shutter a while ago. When you think about it, mm-hmm. like like. Uh, even stuff like Punk Planet and, and anything like that, like Flipside, that all ended. Did any of that really go even to much into the 2000s? No, like 
Punk Planet, that Shred Magazine. Fuck, what was Jeff Bale's one that he did afterwards that was actually really sick that did the Black Metal article? I cannot and, remember. I can't but remember. even Heart Attack Hit ended. Hit List, too. Hit List, yeah. Heart, Heart Attack. Attack ended, what, in like 2005 or six? Well, I was going to say, like, all these things are like kind of like blips compared to Max and Rock and Roll. True, Rock very Roll, true, like, yeah. With the exception of maybe Flipside, um, which did die way before Max and Rock and Roll did. But Max and Rock and Roll, I guess, like extends on to either side of all of these. Yes, absolutely. Which is, I think, why people who are surprised are as surprised as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think it, it, it seemed like it would continue to at least be the mainstay in respect to the fact that it had been the standard, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just largely, if I had to guess, just a victim to you know any kind of time like, like modern times i don't i'm not sure if if the print thing is as lucrative as it ever was not that they really ran it for a huge profit i would imagine but um no i think it was deliberately run not for profit right yeah like so point being though that you need to obviously not uh be losing money on it so who knows how that needed to pan out i guess it's important to also say that it is going to go on in sort of its web incarnation and yeah an, uh, absolutely a source for like a ridiculous archive. Like, yeah, they're God. still, they're still doing, they had mentioned something in the release of it. I saw that they're still doing like the archive project is still ongoing and what have you. So it's, it's not, it's not gone. It's mm-hmm. just in the, in the physical form. It is not being produced uh, from what I understand. Yeah. Which is, you know, a shame. Uh, I guess they haven't put up records since that comp. Um, uh, I don't even know what was they, okay. That, Public safety comp was it called? Mid-2000. Yeah, that sounds for really was that late. I can't. I do vaguely have. I remember. I obviously know the old ones, but the um, yeah. What year did that? Now that you say that, I forgot they did a kind of modern quote unquote one. I'm just gonna see here in the in our lovely resource. Maybe you'll be quicker than me since you seem to be more astute at uh, navigating it. Um. But yeah, you and I had both visited them uh, in person, the the headquarters. So I feel, uh, you know, I feel privileged to have done that. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, it was an unbelievable privilege to get to go there. Like, you know, I got to meet Bruce Roars. I got to, you know, like look at that library. Look at that amazing archive that they had. Yeah, the library is it's uh, it's actually like fully intimidating. It's so. <laughs> so thorough or what have you um yeah you're right 2006 this comp came out i just found it was it called the public safety comp yeah it is called public safety you're dead on and uh, i do remember this now but it's got stuff like uh formaldehyde junkies frampted strung up no hope for the kids regulations liberist yeah very much a sign of the times mm-hmm. look back and laugh of course the observers gorilla angrib First steps even on here. Wow, crew suicide. Okay, maybe that's why. Did they? They must. I think they got copies at the time or something. So yeah, I think they got copies. I remember that happening actually. Yeah, two thousand six um, though it came out. And I guess they did a reissue. Oh, and they did a bumcon CD. I don't know. The, the only thing, like I remember this comp now that you mentioned, but there, I don't remember much newer than that. They did a, a cassette comp in two thousand sixteen. It looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a noise ordinance comp that came out in 2011. 
And twenty fifth, they did. They had something to do with this Los Crudos comp thing. I'm maybe, seeing here. Maybe yeah, they, they did, did put that out for a second. No, they put it out in the in the U.S. Oh, crazy! Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I did not know that either. So they've had a like. They, I guess they still do have. Well, it's been a few years, but since they did yeah. the comp, it's when you look, it's only been a record like 2012, 2014, 2015, 2016. So. It's been a few years and there was only one sort of a year for a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's again, this is not to, you know, suggest that things aren't rolling. It's just that, you know, that it has not gone at the same pace. Mm-hmm. But yeah, great. It's uh it's, you know, it's a bummer, but uh I just think it's sort of a, a the, you know, unfortunately where print media is, if you will. Yeah, I think that's the reality. It's print media is is un- unfortunately not something that, you know, it's it's easy to make a go of it these days, but my gosh, like what a co- what a label! Sorry, I'm going to just back through the uh, the early releases. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, like the uh, first of all, that first compilation is amazing, but like Deserter, it like that second comp that they did, the Turnaround comp, like Corrupted Morals and Sweet Baby Jesus and. I think it's so. I still think it's wild that they did that deserter. It's such a great LP. Yeah, I gotta. You know what? I don't. I don't think I own. No, I definitely don't own this turn it around comp. And now that I'm looking, that rabid lassies on it. I gotta fucking get this. <laughs> You're speaking of the turn around comp double seven inch from '87 for listeners who aren't aware. But yeah, yeah, with Operation Ivy, Sticky, Crimshine, Dame's Faves. That's like a man. And the but most also, important group, Yeasty Girls, of course. Absolutely. But they also did the uh, Underground at a Poland Deserter record. Which yeah, is amazing. Absolutely essential. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, a pretty expensive record these days. Well, not as bad as I thought. Um, yeah, well worth it, though. Well worth it. And then also they did that, the Naive record. I don't know where that is. I'm not. Oh, yeah, sorry, from 90. Yeah. Which is a, a Russian punk band. Huh. Switchblade, I don't know, is that supposed to be Knife? K-N-A-I-F-E? I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's Russian for Knife. But, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, great label. Great label. Uh, amazing that definitely, you know, I owe a huge debt to, and I think a lot of, I think everyone out of punk ultimately does, because it was the first place that, you know, a lot of us, got exposed to punk, you know, got our band's names out there, uh, you know, learn how to tour from book your own fucking life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's an institution, but yeah, the, I guess the, the March of time goes on and unfortunately physical format, it's becoming, uh, more and more the, uh, the refuge for the old. <laughs> yes. People like us. <laughs> well, it's funny. Cause like, I guess Max Rock and Roll kept evolving. Right, like if it had stayed like a nostalgic magazine, like which I guess kind of Flipside did, and maybe that's why Flipside didn't survive. Yeah, there, there's obviously some other magazines that that have that sort of nostalgic appeal. So um, Max Rock and Roll, I wonder if it'd be like, and they would never do this, obviously, but like if it would be a successful magazine if every month it just went through the archives and reprinted like two or like a really well curated kind of like cross section, like it almost was like a a mojo of their own archives, but just of like hardcore and punk. 
I think that would be great. The undertaking of doing that would probably be very difficult because I don't know really how they, you know, besides like the actually just thumbing through old issues, I don't know how they would go about that in a very um, quick manner given right. the amount of duration. It would be difficult, but I'd buy that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like that's the, the that's the thing like you and I had discussed about it is, you know, it really – regardless of wherever anyone falls on on how much they read it presently it really is in in the institution unto itself which certainly shaped you know again like you said earlier like people like yourself or myself it was a, a huge resource mm-hmm. so there's there's no debating that and going in person if you were privileged enough to do so you you saw it you know what i mean like the, the library is by far the best punk library you you will ever see i mean it just is and um you know it's it's daunting so yeah so it's a sad day as far as it being in physical form but nonetheless has come i'm i'm a little shocked to a degree but i do think it's sort of the logical progression and it still has its online manif- manifestation so that'll still be doing what it does absolutely well um we now move on to uh ultimately much more tragic news which is this week there was the passing um, that kind of came. I guess has it been confirmed at this point? Because like I keep hearing that news has surfaced and stories are kind of emerging, but I guess pretty much confirmed at this point. There certainly hasn't been anything to refute it. Um, and probably by the time you're hearing it, it's definitely confirmed. Uh, Lorna Doom has passed away at what I read was a, a very tragically young age of fifty. Um, and yeah, just, uh, an icon, like a, a, a real legend, someone that lived it, someone who I never got to meet, but by all accounts was a hundred percent still approachable and cool as shit. Like just like a really great person from what I've heard. And so, uh, very sad to report her passing. Yeah, for sure. And it, anytime that kind of happened, like there's been some pretty, you know, big, deaths as of recent uh you know times so it's always i find that you just reflect when that happens mm-hmm. and it's just like i never really i don't know you don't realize the, the i don't know the germs are just so great it's just hard to imagine being in that group <laughs> like that being a part of your legacy so um but yeah the thing i thought was interesting in some of the articles that have been around and, and you're correct there has not been any uh, there's no no cause of death or whatever has been released or what have you, so I'm not sure where that's gonna go in terms of if, if it's gonna be reported or not. But uh, f- as far as from close people close to, it seems to suggest that they are, you know, they like Don Bowles had, had said that that's that she had passed. So I'm assuming that that's yeah, it looks legitimate. Like it's pretty confirmed at this point. Yeah, but um, what was gonna say. Um, I was amazed to read here that she was giving people germs burns too. I thought that was always something that only people like you would request from (laughs) people like Pat Smear. Yeah, she would give, she would give them out still. Uh, Yeah. And mine actually comes from her. Like it's mine, like obviously comes from Darby. Um, and, but Lorna got it from Darby who gave it to, um, uh, Shane West, who gave it to Chris Shiflett, who gave it to me. So that's how it works. That's how it it's works. Not, it's not just – so it's any 
Okay, I see what you mean. I thought it was like you had to meet one of them, and that's how that happens. No, it's vampire rules in life. I see. And so, um, yeah, like it's as long as you have one, you can give one, and you have to get someone from get one from someone who has one. Because um, Darby wanted to become a cult that would spread around the world, and <laughs> kind of weirdly did. Yeah. I thought you just – I had assumed you got yours from Pat Smear. That's where that story no, came from. He refused. From. It was his cigarette. <laughs> Sorry. He he actually – no, Pat doesn't have one, but Pat gave the first one. Pat gave Darby his. Ah, I and see. That's how it worked. I'm trying to remember. But it was Pat's cigarette. So Pat's like, I only gave one ever and that was to Darby. I'm like, well, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. <laughs> I asked him for one every day though. <laughs> one time he brought me to a wine tasting and one, he's like no do you want to come to this wine tasting with me though I was like sure and uh, that was that was very interesting it was a lot of fun and then <laughs> uh, and then eventually Chris Shiflett heard he's like oh, I got a germs burn I'm like oh yeah and he's like yeah got it from Shane West I was like oh and he's like but he got she he got it from Lorna Doom and I was like oh and then I, I asked for one <laughs> well, there you go. I got yeah. One day I'll release that video. Sandy shot it all on video. Wow. But the uh, in those in the, the the what little has been written so far in the in this in the news coming out is yeah, there was some people who've chimed in about that. I I had not. I thought this was something that that folks like you just requested uh, of certain people. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a sort of the phenomenon as it exists. Yeah, as you no. just explained. It was uh, it's a, it's a weird cult. It's a very weird cult. Um, but yeah, Lorna uh, is sadly passed on and uh, leaves behind an amazing legacy of of you know obviously the Germs recordings, which you know Germs are the most essential band of all time. Um, and she really kept that that flame going, you know, and kept that 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 story alive for a long time. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and so yeah, rest in peace and. And, uh, I guess that's it. There's no real way to kind of like move on except for awkwardly now into, uh, what is going to be happening on, I guess that's why we used to have the mailbag. Eh? It was like a good buffer. <laughs> we like, do, we still do. And we'll do it on occasion. Tonight is not ideal because of Damien's setup for tour and sort of the hectic week we had, but we'll yeah. get to it. Yeah. yeah. We'll get it. We'll get to it another time. But, um, uh, I guess we'll just dive into today's episode. Uh, today, yeah, for sure. On the show, Julian Baker, uh, one of the, I don't know, like, like great songwriters of this era who is legitimately one of the coolest, most chill people I've gotten to talk to for this podcast. And I had a real fun time talking to her. A totally different perspective than I have on this music, but someone who also has like a lot of common connection points with the type of music that I'm into as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was great to have her on the show. Finally, impressed my cousin. <laughs> Why is that? My cousin wrote, and she was pretty excited. Nice. Yeah, she was pretty excited. A lot of people uh, have hit me up that have, have never hit me up about another episode of this podcast. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I love. That's why I love doing this thing is because like, I, where else could you go from Danger Aaron one week to Julian Baker the next week? Yeah, true. You've, uh, well, you know, I don't, well, obviously it's your, your, uh, it's your brother, but it's your, whoever it comes from, 
it's one of punk. you deserves the credit. Punk. punk deserves the credit, Chris. <laughs> okay, there we go. Tristan deserves a little bit of credit. He was the one who was like, who got me, who who booked Julian Baker through, you know, her publicist and everything. So total credit to Tristan on that one. Danger Aaron was mine. And uh, I think, but though punk is the thing that we ultimately have to give credit for bringing these two people into the same universe. Yeah, true. <laughs> As described in the episode. Yeah, for sure. You know? Uh, all right. Well, let's dive in, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Where do you want to start? Uh, I guess I want to start with this uh, idea of um, this, I guess the idea of like, you know, punk as um as like this thing that's ultimately kind of like a burden that you carry with you for the rest of your life no matter what you do yeah i think we've sort of touched on aspects of that throughout when we discuss things on this program here for sure um yeah i think it's particularly interesting in the context that she raises in the episode uh with you because i think her it's interesting to hear from someone I wouldn't expect to have that dilemma speak of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know you, so we talk about, you know, the the zeitgeists that we always weigh heavy on us. And specifically, like when you're in a band like you're in, you've you've had a trajectory over the last whatever now, 15 years or some, some odd. Um, oh, so, you, the, <laughs> so the decisions weigh on you as to how you should navigate that um, for or genius and or her career um i see her as having a you know maybe similar conflicts or what have you as you've you've had navigating that jump into sort of a professional career quote unquote and sort of the right way to navigate that so i think that the punk thing is yeah it's it's it, that's a tricky yeah it's, it's a tricky whatever cross to bear I still don't know if I've reconciled it myself and I don't have that dilemma really in my life at the present. It's funny though, like how that is a constant thread that comes up on this show and you know, it might not even be like, you know, we used to describe it. I think at some point as being that little Ian Mackay that sits on your shoulder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like, but I think it's bigger than that. Right. Like cause it's it, Craig Ferguson and Julian Baker who, there's gotta be what, like 30 some odd years of age between them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe more. Um, and here, here, both of them are talking about the same sort of like idea that this is like it's almost like an austerity kind of commitment. You know, like it's almost like you 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 have to you know sign up to the fact that you ultimately feel that you know on some level you you have to you know you, you can't betray this. You know, like this is a a blood pact you're making for the rest of your life. Well, yeah, I think there's 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 a few factors I would say that designate that. I think one of them is that people who tend to get into this music get into it at a formative age, shapes, you know, for better or worse. Hopefully, better. It shapes your worldview. So when you then navigate that later as you age, as we're learning, you know, it's there aren't things that are so black and white. So to navigate them in a way that that is true to quote unquote you know your ethics based on coming from communities like this it's difficult to to reconcile sometimes I just, how i view it no go on no no that's it go no i i kind of i kind of feel that at this point it's it's like 
you know, you get to a point in your life where you're, you, you're kind of, I don't know, you wonder, like, you wonder, like, if this is, you know, like, like we, I guess we talked about in this episode, like, is this, is this where the moral code kind of came from, you know, at a point, like, are we getting moral code from this, the music we're listening to more than the people around us, more than our families, more than our religions at this point Uh, for punk people. Yeah. It's, I think it's, this is really difficult because it's subjective. I think there's a lot of people that like this kind of music that don't seem to espouse any specific ethic. But even that ethic seems to come from this music on some level, right? No, no, for sure. Like that nihilistic idea of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, you know, sort of like it's kind of funny because there are these, you know, punk has very, very common tropes and, and people know them and people, you know, the reason why they exist. But the idea of taking something like, you know, the Sex Pistols and like no future, you know, that idea is a whole segment of an aspect of people who are, you know, largely in, involved in this community, you know, largely spoken. You know, that's one of the ethics. It's maybe not the most <laughs> healthy or productive ethic, but is nonetheless, you know, live fast, die young, you know, they, like there's, there's plenty of transgressive or self-destructive things you could turn to if you want to point at it that come out of this music. At the same time, you have, you know, the other elements as well, which I think are more discussed in the interview that you just had. Um, yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It's difficult though, because it's, I do think you are correct, and I think a lot of the – in the interview, it kind of comes out with the two of you, and I think you've always stated that on this show. Arguably, it's you know a lot of the reason for this show existing is to illustrate that idea that it is – there are aspects of this that are fundamental to the way people conduct themselves and what they end up doing and therefore what that influences on culture in general and how the, how much that has impacted, you know – the greater, you know, so dare I say, popular culture. And I think it has shifted greatly in the wake of, you know, movements such as this, so to speak. I, I We've obviously had people that are religious on this show before, I'm sure, but like no one who's as open about their religion as, as Julian is. So gives a chance to kind of like really dive into this idea of like this thing ultimately becoming kind of like faith for people. Like it's, Obviously, like no matter what kind of music you're into, you know you 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 love that kind of music. You're passionate about that kind of music. But I don't know what other kinds of music require the the level of of faith in the genre as something as punk does. Yeah, I th- I thought that was kind of an interesting point you guys were touching on. I don't I don't know. I feel like. Yeah, I think I think punk is quite unique in that way, I suppose. But I'm just trying to think of like, is it the same in metal or is it the same in rap music? I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe it isn't. Maybe you, maybe you win there. I, I'm just thinking like that's kind of a ubiquitous thing amongst genres. It's like a very precious. I think hip hop. You're right. Hip hop does like you have to have like, especially at one point. There was like this idea, certainly that was espoused in the music of like faith in hip hop, you know, and bringing hip hop back. I think it is. I think what the, the the things to to parse amongst these sorts of things, especially just using metal or or rap or whatever, 
I think the only difference is that punk generally isn't controlled by, although arguably there's a ton of first wave records, especially that were major records and therefore, you know, are part of the commercial machine, what have you. But the broad, you know, the broad amount of this genre, I would argue, is, is controlled by not that, by more like independent or grassroots sort of, uh, motivations or, or people. So, I think that's the difference. I'm not so sure if metal has that same thing or, or rap. I, so I think there's something to that. I'm not so sure at this moment in time exactly what that is. But So that's maybe where the, the there's more of a fanaticism in punk and maybe that um, the level of dedication is greater based on that, based on it being a little harder to uh, – certainly maybe before this era it's certainly harder to be a part of or or find out about because of the amount of work you had to do because it wasn't a bigger thing um and not controlled by any particular corporate entity let's say um i don't know it's a tough i don't know it's it's sort of a tough thing i don't know what what is your take on it i i guess like i don't know i think i kind of think like punk is something like you know off air we just talked about this for the past like I don't know, 30 minutes before we went live about the idea that there's like, you know, we never even put it into these words, but just like sort of this idea that you like are beholden to this genre, right? By like a set of moral codes, like thou will not sell out, thou will be progressive or regressive, depending on your take on punk rock. Or like, (laughs) you know, there's almost like these commandments that you have to follow. I think the sellout one is is not unique to, to punk though. That's the one I would say if you look at any genre always is present. Um You're right. Metals metal certainly like if you if you look at like a phrase like death to false metal is is exactly that kind of sentiment, right? I guess there's not the commitment to austerity though in the same way, right? Because like you could be on like you know, like a major label. You yes, know, you could be making a lot of money as long as you're true to your music. No one's going to call you a sellout in metal in the same way that, like, man, tragedy could put out like the same record that they just put out. But if they were on, like, if they just <laughs> woke up one day and were like, oh, "Fuck it, let's see, let, let's see what Sony's got to offer," like, <laughs> yeah, people would fucking freak. Yes, I, I would imagine so. Correct. You're you, you're one hundred percent correct. So I I do think though that that sort of I don't know whatever you want to say that that uh that sentiment though is true in in that sense though across the board. I think any genre that that whatever the community that cares about it has that sort of like what is real, what is not. Therefore, selling out is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. That that's an understandable mm-hmm. sentiment. I think like though. You're correct where punk, again, is unique because there's sort of like that, whatever, like that economic driver where it cannot be, it's the source of that. But see, I've always found that an interesting one because like, you know, and as a a massive record collector and historian like yourself on this, like there's a lot of those first wave, especially records that are very much on majors. Oh, definitely. And even the more the more certain things aid like even i think wasn't rude kid stuff on majors even if i remember uh, yeah, correctly. Oh yeah definitely yeah so it's and that those are pretty edgy records so it's not like it's it's difficult to to try and eliminate the idea that anything from a certain corporate 
angle is no is not to be um, considered or to be neglected because there's so much that still applies. But yeah, for the most part, I think I don't know if it's more our generation that has full that kind of fully adopted that. Like the the one prior to us really kind of put it into force. If you look at something like the discords or what have you, mm-hmm. and then I think it then the next wave is the one that carries on this, you know, no corporate, no corporatization sort of idea. Right. Um, crass to, well, cra- de- like there definitely has always been there, but I mean, though, when you look at like just the idea of what has been a major label punk record in the last 20 years, you know, I guess this is subjective. Cause I don't know if someone wants to still consider something like green day, in that category, is that a different animal now? Who, you know, or like a rant? I don't know. Like rants what never defines did. a major label? Exactly right. And so, because the music industry at large is a mess, and major labels really aren't the same kind of anymore, especially in the last like five years. Well, especially because everyone ultimately is on Spotify, and like yes, and so the, the, then there's that animal as well. Exactly. So it's it, it's almost it's a completely sort of irrelevant argument. I realize this, but it's also it's just how do you want to weigh it you know what i mean and i i'm just weighing it on the grounds of you know like you're saying tragedy if you're if you're looking at uh markers that indicate sort of the big uh moments in this music or this whatever you want to call it if it's not just music this broad movement what are what are those indicators and and i would argue that there aren't many in recent years that have had anything to do with a corporate interest mm-hmm. the, the the biggest ones i'm arguing you know, it's not to say that there aren't, you know, obviously something like, uh, just to pull an example out of a hat, Sorry like, you know, this. no, no worries. Like you look at things like bands that were on Warp Tour, you know what I mean? The the first eras of Warp Tour, you know, and all of them I'm sure had elements. But if you look at like the first lineups, there are groups on there that people don't have a beef with in that respect. You know what I mean? In terms of like being sellout bands or being like big bands. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the latter end of it, I think that is more of like the gripe, right? So there's – anyway, I don't know. It's it's We're sort of uh, – you know, we're getting like a, a bit philosophical on this, I suppose. But Well, we, that's what this show is all about. But like I guess <laughs> we should probably move on from this point because it's yeah, yeah, for sure. debated yeah. and talked about all night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, where do you want to go next? Um, let me see here. There was something because uh, I'm a few days out from listening to it. I'm just trying to remember. There was some things I wanted to get to. I like to first of all. I think it's very interesting the idea that I had never thought. Speaking of a separate topic, the idea of uh, I'm trying to think of how to say it, someone into someone of faith mm-hmm. getting into you know music, like like what she's describing as the music she got into as her. Um, gateway into punk so to speak i had never thought of that she states it you and her state it really interesting where it's like because sort of the assumption from the outside is always that you even stated in the interview i believe it's like that that is a co-opting element yeah for a lot of people. people are all missionaries and they're going to invade the scene and recruit yes you. and I, I i certainly think there is there is an element of that to be fair uh, but I had never considered, as a person not of faith, uh, the idea that um, the inverse, meaning there are people of faith who are confined 
you know, quote unquote, like conservatively within that faith, who then find the, the I don't know what you want to say, like like um, like the like the people like what what she's talking about getting into, how that broke her out of a very minimal absolutist perspective of that faith. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'd never thought of that idea of like, like people of faith, pl- like, like, uh, it's really hard to articulate. Um, I'd never thought of the idea of someone of faith being influenced by other factors of uh, people from that faith who do not adhere to the sort of the commonalities of it, meaning the more traditional, uh, dare I say, what's the word I'm looking for? Orthodox aspects of faith. Um, and so there are, there's that idea of like, you know, faith-based music that is, is punk arguably, or isn't depending on your perspective, but those groups, I never thought of those groups as being, I thought of them as being gateways, but I never thought of them as being gateways in the sense that they were, uh, uh, a haven for people who are stuck in what, in situations like she's describing, mm-hmm. like these sort of like, uh, you know, I don't know, like like the people who do not do not have a lot of like culturally rich things to attach to, and therefore they do not feel they have an an exit, or they don't feel they have a an outlet to you know do something that's worthwhile, or, or that isn't more or less just the norm or just the status quo. I never thought of that before. I, I never had never considered it because it's outside of my completely worldview and perspective but i thought that was a really interesting angle i I would not have considered that i think it's like also the idea of using it as an escape hatch right well exactly yeah you like to to other other cultural areas of interest but you're like gonna use this and then it's almost like well there's almost like this kind of awesome thing about you know all these types of bands playing together and this then being like you know like when alex on fire on those tours that you know you'd be on, yeah, you'd, you'd be you'd be playing with these bands that would be on tooth and nail, yeah. And it's like, well, like you know, for some of these kids, like as much as like there's a sort of like, are they going to re- like is this sort of sort of recruitment invasion of the scene? But like at the same time, it's also like, oh, all these kids are going to have a chance to see all these bands that come from a different perspective, you know. And like there's this idea, like I don't know, like in the '90s, being anti-religion was like the thing you know, for, yes. for hardcore. And now I'm just kind of like more at a stage in my life, like where it's just like, let people live however the fuck they want. I'm like, if people want to do what they want to do, like, who am I to judge them? Like, as long as they're not hurting <laughs> me, like it sounds ridiculous to say this, but like at the same time, it's like, it was so dogmatic and it just seems so ridiculous to be just as, you know, tyrannical with your beliefs of anti-beliefs as people would be you're fearful of people with beliefs being yeah that's that's well well stated i agree um what i would say from experience of like what you're describing like i i have you know rubbed shoulders or elbows whatever the saying is with some of the the things that she's describing in the in the the interview like groups that influenced her um i I think what you what you learn is, as someone who's a fairly cynical human being myself, I, I still never found I had a great um, 
problem with any of these people, even though they came from a different persuasion than myself. Mm-hmm. And this is dealing with them just on human, a regular day-to-day human levels, right? Like nothing of the ordinary. Now, taste-wise, it's a whole other debate. I, that's not my thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I just think I think it's correct. I think that's more of a, a an older person's take on it. Uh, if I'm being fair, um, that you just progress and you kind of just think, well, who, you know, who really cares or whatever about, you know, decent people are decent people, whatever persuasion they are, Mm -hmm. you know, that's sort of my attitude in life. But, um, yeah, I, 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 you're correct with the fact that, that, that dogmatism is, is bad coming from whatever angle it is. So if it's an, if it's a, it's of the mentality of, uh, you know, an abolitionist mentality, then it's, to me, it's equally as problematic. So I have never, ever, yeah, that, that, this is the way I see it. I, I think you're 100% accurate. I think you summarize that perfectly. I think you and I come, and people like us come from a very specific era of <laughs> underground punk and or hardcore music, and we are saddled with uh, the burdens of a lot of that era. And I don't think that has gone away. And I, I honestly, I, I'm just starting now to kind of realize it, it probably won't <laughs> like you, like we're of the age now where I'm like, if this has not gone away yet, this is not going to go away. I don't think. Um, and so I sort of laugh about things now, but yeah, it, it, it had a tremendous impact and therefore it's always some good or bad. So there are things that I kind of have, PTSD about in like hindsight and a lot of it is this this sort of like uh, unreasonable parsing of of people's lifestyles or uh, belief systems it doesn't really, when they don't affect me I don't, my attitude is just I really don't, you know I don't really think it's important so that that's but I think you summarized it well I'm just ranting for no reason now well yeah like I think think, you know you can be you know, person who's not religious, you know, but like the idea at the time was to be anti-religion and it was, yeah, like but I, I also think that has changed though. Oh, like, I think that's changed not, too. Yeah, definitely. I don't definitely. think that, I don't think that it's, I think that idea still exists, of course, and there's still, uh, understandably expression of that in, in this music 100%. I think that there is a cultural shift that has changed that has, made a lot of people reassess the way they want to uh, discuss that. Because I think for a lot of people like you and I, we were experiencing it from, and I guess from the, more or less from the 80s forward, you, if you're using like punk tropes, you're using tropes like, you know, jocks are the burden. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time you're thinking of like, like Reagan era hardcore. So you're thinking of like conservative white America and overburdened, overbearing Christianity and those are the pervasive tropes in punk and they last until whatever arguably maybe they still last but they they certainly last thematically vividly up until say George Bush with the second I guess you would say uh or junior see mm-hmm. junior mm-hmm. uh that's sort of a pervasive attitude right and I think in the last whatever I guess 10 or so years I think things have changed a little where the, there aren't as much black and white debates about that in this music anymore because there has been cultural shifts that are 
make the, make the, the argument a little more gray mm-hmm. in the fact that there are people of faith that are not of that persuasion that used to be that trope. So, and, and it doesn't affect often like people like you or me. So I, how are we going to write, you know, it's, it's just a different landscape. I think if you take a band like, uh, uh, I believe I'm saying their name correctly, Haram, you know, that I don't know if they're a band of faith or if the people involved in that are a band of faith, but that's not, or even if you take someone like the bad brains, right? Mm -hmm. Like there were, I believe, as far as I know, anti-Rasta songs written, I would imagine. Oh, there, but, isn't there one by – yeah, they're definitely anti – I just – I can't reference them off the top of my head because the, the reverence for Bad Brains is so great largely that you don't see that same – like for example, if Bad Brains had been a fanatical Christian group, right, but they were still so unbelievably sick, so – which just for whatever reason didn't happen, but let's say that were to happen, you know, what would the – what would have changed, you know, as far as the perspective on that, Right. That's what I'm trying to parse here. Like this idea of, for whatever reason, the targets were always, you know, sort of the more pervasive, like sort of directly oppressive things to the kind of largely suburban, you know, people that were making the music that we like so much at the time. And I think that's carried forward. I think that's completely changed now. So I don't think that same attitude on, you know, things of faith or, or is is the same anymore. I, I really don't. Yeah, like and I think I think you know Trouble was you know by many accounts like a pretty religious Christian band, right? Or some, at least some of the members were. The metal group you talking? Yeah, about? yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's uh, from what I understand, yeah. But like, yeah, there was like it, it's something where you still hear the guy, the guys that weren't Christian denying it to this day, like being like, "Oh, it wasn't the whole band and stuff." So yeah, like it's it's interesting to kind of like look at the changing attitudes towards people that have beliefs, you know, that like, you know, that, cause like, I think ultimately at the end of the day, you know, you, everyone has that, that thing in their life, that longing, that need for something bigger than themselves. And like, you can fill that anyway, you know, with me, it's filled with overpriced records and, and, and <laughs> pro wrestlers and, you know, and not to undermine like how important faith is to people, but at the same time, like, my God, was I fanatical for this music? <laughs> like, yes, I think I think though that fanatical at a time. I don't think that will ever change, though. You know what I mean? And not that I think you do either, but like I think that is good and important. As sad as it is, like to to some people, I think that is something that was the case. I feel exactly the same way as you. Like I, and maybe arguably, I'm still invested to that degree. Um, but it's yeah, for yeah, for sure. Like. I, th- I think these you can you know your focus can be um, consumed by whatever you know you so choose, but yeah for for I don't know people like us dare I say like yeah that was that was it right, and I think that the era of which we came apart, which you know was influenced by the sort of golden era largely, that was the you know that this was the the way it was and is arguably. Still, so I, I don't know. Like it, it's it's a difficult thing to parse. I understand people having differences of of obviously political opinions or faith based differences or whatever. I just my attitude about it is I don't know how much any of it really matters <laughs> in terms of like the fact that we need to just kind of like get along, <laughs> you know, so to speak. I don't know. Well, it's like and it's like you know not I and mean, people will be like, oh, you're overstating it. You're overstating it. But like if someone stopped being you know, 
someone's friend because they believed in a different religion, you would say that person's intolerant, right? I would think, yes. Um, I don't know about you, Chris, but I definitely stopped being friends with people at different times of my life because they weren't into this music. <laughs> like not, not like just because of that, but because like, yeah, I do. <laughs> they weren't coming with me on the journey. So it was like, okay, well, see you later. Well, it's it's the well, it's a, it's the r- different version of the Charles Bronson song that you were so uh, affected by, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, so like you're saying, blame Mark McCoy. No, no, not at all. That's what I'm saying. I think, but if I think about people who have shifted, uh, whatever you want to say, the zeitgeist at points, he's certainly an individual that has, okay, uh, or or a part of the collective that did. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) I think there are always these sorts of people that do. I don't think there have been many in punk anyway, and maybe because arguably the punk ethos is is opposed community-wise, largely to this, but I can't think of that many faith-based people in punk that have been those sort of purveyors of that. Again, arguably some like the Bad Brains, maybe, or yeah. arguably the the Krishna element, in, if you want to discuss some other things. Even today. Yeah, well, exa- exactly, right? So, but, but Yeah, exactly, right? That's exactly what I, that was the under under the umbrella of the Krishna thing. Yeah. So, so it, there are, there's, it's a funny thing because there has always been these flirtations mm-hmm. and there are things that are accepted and have always been because of some of the work that people involved with this have done, usually in the past. Mm-hmm. So there are definitely passes that that are, are made or, or concessions that are made based on, well, you know, I, like the common thing in the 90s was definitely that, you know, shelter was not at least amongst people I knew was like shelter was kind of the no, no, but you're never going to give up on youth today. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's still, you know, I, I like shelter just fine, but it's, you know, youth today is my thing. <laughs> that's like, that one's not going away. Shelter. I could probably not have any of those records and, and be okay with it, but you know what I mean? So, and that's not a, that's not a throwing shade at faith. It's just like, I just like the youth today records more. What about baby Gopal? <laughs> well said. That's for the the show followers. That's um, your drinking game, folks. Uh, yeah. yeah, you don't. You probably drink as much as Chris does if you're playing that game. We haven't mentioned Baby Cobra <laughs> in a long time. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, on pink, still still an essential. Uh, yeah, definitely. We still need that. We still need that in the archives. The Baby Cobra on pink record. Yeah. If someone could buy it and send it to us, we would be much obliged. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, like I. Uh, I was trying to think like we've we definitely have had this discussion before on the show, but about all the like kind of classic Christian punk bands. Yeah. Um, choir boys. Um I don't know Alter choir boys. boys. Alter boys. Alter Alter boys. boys sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh and uh Saviors. That one I don't know. They're th- that band is amazing. Amazing. They have an LP called US Kids. Okay. Uh, but then they also have like some like old like I don't think that LP's on Discogs. I think you, it's you it, don't think it is. No, I think it's like I don't know. Like I'm not I'm not gonna I'm on the resource trying to call it up right now. Yeah. Um. But they had a couple different releases. Is it URS or ORS? I'm trying to remember now. Another thing to discuss is, and this is definitely like very killed by Deathy, but isn't didn't Death turn into 
like a religious group, basically, like the, the Detroit Death. Yeah, we played with them one time, and but they thought they changed their name, didn't they, or whatever when they went? Yeah, and then but they they were like back to playing, um, uh, like they were playing death songs, but they were still in like the other outfits, and I think they were calling themselves Death again. Mm. But yeah, they apparently became like a religious group afterwards. Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's always been these again like like i said like flirtations with aspects of this and there's always been people that have not accepted it also to be fair mm-hmm. but um and and i just find it's 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 a weird it's it's a weird and interesting topic because I, I do think it sort of has been discussed but it's sort of this weird i don't know if it's taboo to discuss or something that's why it doesn't get touched on more but it's yeah i also think there's a lot to be said in in the interview when you're speaking about it and she talks about sort of where she's from and just the idea of the just the cultural impact of that mm-hmm. so that you're sort of when you're of you know some of those regional areas she's speaking of now this is not to speak for everybody but i've experienced it where that it does seem to be hugely pervasive to the degree where you just you're sort of of it, even if you are not, you know, a card carrying whatever you want to identify as, like faith based wise. When she's talking about the groups that did the the circuits that she's discussing and the groups that she was getting into that are like these aggressive, screamy bands that are either outright religious or or connected. I, you know, again in that touring those years, I was touring sort of amongst that. And yeah, I, that, she, I wonder if she saw Alex on fire. And she may have, but it's it's I experienced that from an outsider and someone who's not of that persuasion. It was sort of eye opening to to go to some of these places and just see that it was sort of culturally pervasive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that might be an overstatement and and whatever because I'm not from there. I'm sure there's people from there. Maybe if you're listening, they're they're not in agreement because they're like, well, I'm here. That's not my thing, perhaps, but. Like it, it's certainly more than where we where we are at, you and I regionally, and it's and it's very noticeable, and so I do think there is something that to be said for what she kind of states in the interview that that there is a cultural, uh, uh, whatever element to that that is perhaps the bigger driver of it than just simply the faith itself, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is like far, far more. Anyway, go on with your. Uh, no, no, your no. I was, I was going to say. Actually, I found out the name of that band. Mm, what's it, that? It's Life Savers. Saver. Life Savers. Saviors. Life Saviors. Okay. Savers. That that one I don't know. Like what era are we talking here? Uh, Eighty one. Oh wow! So that is early. Okay. They had another name. LS Underground was their other name, and it looks like they went on until like. The year 2016. Okay. No, that was like a record from 1994. Uh, they got put out. In, but they're like, the they're like, seem like they were like still putting out records into the 2000s. Uh, and live at Cornerstone, they put out a record. So they must be huge in this world. But their first album, which is Us Kids, not US Kids, is fucking incredible. Well, I think like you just hit the nail on the head too, is that there is the huge in that world, there also is a whole other, exactly. That's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. Like, like that was, that was something that I had never, 
you know, a thought about until you experience them and you're like, man, these, some of these bands are huge. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't really think, uh, so yes, I just found this record you're speaking of. It's all one word. Yeah. And, uh, it is on the label swing records from 81. Yeah. Wow. Style new wave slash punk. I've not heard this LP, but I am curious to, because as you know, I'm a major fan of that first Alter boys record. I want to get and, the uh, single too. The single's fantastic. The single you can hear on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but it's never been sold on the machine on the resource. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit single you're talking about yeah. from '82. Nice. Yeah. I never heard this. I got to hear it. The LP's but, fantastic. Uh, they got a good. They got a good look on this single. That's cool. Yeah, the single looks badass, man. That single looks. Yeah, man, I would love to find a copy of that thing. Four have forty nine want, as we've discussed on this show. Yeah, not good ratios. That's that metric. What that means for anybody, it's bad news. Bad news. <laughs> bad news it means you're not going to get that record cheap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what we're trying to state. Uh, also, I like one thing that I thought was awesome. Like, obviously, I knew she was going to be a fan of this music from the inter- interviews I'd read with her and seen with her. Um, but like just the kind of fan she is like someone who's gone back and like dug deep on all the stuff that they, they love. Like that's like, that's like that, that, that like, you know, kind of linear thing that I think you see in a bunch of people that have been on this show, uh, you and myself included, where it's almost like that, that need to try and connect all these dots. Well, I think you're the best example that I've ever met in my life. But yeah, well, I'm just, I'm and just very you know, good at it. I'm just obsessed with it. But I think like all of us have, you know, if you're a certain type of fan of the genre, obviously, but like, you know, the need to kind of like try and like see how this all fits together and see how these bands and like, you know, trying to discover the breadth of of this thing. Yeah, I, I think for me, I. I, I I think when you get into this sort of stuff, you the, the way you keep hopping to the next thing is by some sort of commonality. And often it's a label or a band or members or, you know, and then it just snowballs into this, you know, what you and I become. Um, yeah, so I, I 100% agree. That's how I, I don't even think I'm cognitive of it anymore, like to the point I do it like all the time, that kind of stuff. Like I, I, I would be more than happy being on the resource, you know, for eight hours a day, just in a deep, in a deep trance and like just clicking. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, I think, but I also think it's important. I think the one, well, not one, there's many luxuries, but the, the one major luxury for people like you and I, with regards to something like the resource or just the way information is now is it's much easier to kind of do it, you know, and, and sort of really, I don't know. It, it's it scratches that that nerdy itch very well these days when you want to parse something or look up, you know, whatever nuance of who did this and who did that or who produced. Like you can look up very very nuanced things fairly easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and for people like you and I, that's I don't know, very important. <laughs> yeah. No. Definitely. I think I think like that's that's the fun part is like when you start getting into like all the weird, you know, like that's like when you're talking about. You know, obviously Pez for her is like a different band because it's a local band. But like yeah, yeah. when you finally get to talk about this band that you've been buying fucking seven inches of for years, you know, and then you can meet someone and they're just as excited to talk about it as you are. It's like, man, that's what this thing is so awesome. 
Yeah, that was a great part of the interview. I thought her freak out about that was excellent. I and, I, uh, I was definitely pretty excited. I imagine once again, like it would probably be for me, like someone being like, holy fuck, you know, five knuckle chuckle. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which again, for, for those religious followers of the show, quote unquote, fanatical followers, I should say, uh, Damien just also mentioned the other drinking game. <laughs> so well, father, of course, the past guest. Yeah, I know. Maybe we'll get someone from Baby Gobble on one day. Yeah, shout out to David Up. That's who I'm trying to shout out. Um, I just got to, you know, like once again, clicking on the resource, uh, which is, uh, which is, uh, you know, always fun to do. I kicked on, I clicked on this guy Chris Wimber, who played in the Life Saviors. Yeah. Um, and left the band, and he he eventually changed his name, at least as a credit for Chris MC White Hope Wimber. Whoa. Yeah, he played on a uh on a uh hip hop record. Okay. Oh, he's just a producer. <laughs> okay. On the song Heaven Sent. I see, yeah. I think the other way to discuss this is I, I'm I don't know enough about it, but I feel like there's a decline of Western civilization two kind of vibe to the generation of lifesavers sort of thing no and this is so christian stuff what's that i was like i was hoping that i'd find someone in the band who like fell off you know and, and went like to climb western civilization part two yeah i i know i mean like the idea of when you look at one versus two you see sort of the the oh. tragic offspring of of the the first thing and it's it's more tragic and or embarrassing and i think that's what i mean to say is like the things that like what you're just like everything you just said <laughs> about where that person ended up sounds pretty terrible. <laughs> All due respect. I want to hear this. Like they've got a record that's like a post punk record here mm. called Huntington Beach. Oh, um, the cover looks pretty terrible. <laughs> pretty terrible. But like the songs on it sound awesome. There's like it seems like it's like a real anti cop record. Really. Yeah, like this the, is a, dude, listen to the song titles. This is, record came out in 1995. They got a song, Huntington Beach, Hunt, Huntington Beach Police, Mrs. King, Rent a Cop is another song. Um, they also have a song, The Day Elvis Died, and a song, Joey Ramone. Hmm. Gotta, this is the same group. Same group, dude. Yeah, the cover does look a little rough. The cover looks terrible. Terrible. I wonder if they just like. I wonder if they like never got bad. Like, I wonder if this is like the teenage head of the Christian <laughs> punk world, like where they're just like kept like, yeah, granted it sounds a little different, but like they kept finding their sound. Well, I'm looking here. Something came up in under the recommendations here. I just want to see. Oh, okay. So one of their members, would you just say you looked up Michael not? No, you didn't. Anyway, under the recommendations, Michael Knott came up, and I'm like, yo, I've heard of that. Uh, but, yeah, Michael Knott became a bigger uh, in this world, released records on Tooth and Nail and whatnot, um, but was like the, you know, that sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe not an Elliot Smith, maybe like a Sufian Stevens or something of this like, world. Like outlaw country vibes? Not, no, like, 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 a, like again, like a Sufian Stevens or like a, 
that kind of thing, right? Look like the photo of him. He's got like a DA cat and he's holding like a fucking gun. I don't know now, but I know like up till, Oh yeah, that's crazy. That I'm seeing it now. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I wonder if people do drugs at cornerstone. I'm not sure, but I think this gentleman has had a, a checkered past with that sort of stuff from what I remember. Uh-huh. I did not know he was in the lifesavers or that. Okay. That's interesting. Maybe he was in like a later lineup. No, he's on that record. Founder. He's on, he's on yeah. the first single. Yeah. So his this gentleman's background is is I the people I've encountered in, like who are deep into this. For example, the person I heard of the first Alter Boys record from. Yeah. Uh, was massively into this gentleman, and now this makes me want to check this out because I'm like, okay, I see the links now. As we were discussing earlier. Damn, he put out secular records too. Yeah, exactly. The Aunt Betty's. Yep. So anyway, oh, uh, I'm sure uh, there's it people. It stands for Aunt Betty Fords. Huh. Yeah. So there's people out there, you know, perhaps that know more about this than you and I that are probably like, whatever, feel free to write in if you have any info. <laughs> yeah, break it down uh, for us. Yeah, to uh, turn out punk footnotes at gmail.com. But yeah, that's also interesting. Us, do people do drugs at Cornerstone? <laughs> Damien's curious. I'm curious about that. Also, how different is Cornerstone from the Gathering of the Juggalos? I'm curious. Continue. I'm sure it's like that. That I could not imagine two more different places to be at. I suppose, yeah. I wonder if there's like an ICP of Christian uh, Cornerstone music. No, I don't know. These are all great questions. But my ICP <laughs> though is half Christian band. Right. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. There's a whole like subsect <laughs> of juggalos that have the black cross. <laughs> I, d- I don't Duh, know. Chris. Sure. Okay. Duh. <laughs> I'll take. Have we talked about homies yet today. <laughs> well, there we go. There, we got the other one in. There's the other turned out. There's the other one. Now, bro, him. That's the fourth. Oh, there we go. You're you're checking them all off. I got all my hits today. Um. Yeah, this band, this is, I got to check out all these records by this band. Well, I'm curious now because I think I'm guessing based on this revelation that I've recently came across, I'm betting this, this Us Kids is a pretty sick record because oh, I feel like. so sick, yeah. Anyway, um, I, I say this in a very, uh, you know, specifically sort of killed by death way of my intrigue with some of this sort of stuff. You know, like, anyone can get this guy on the show too. Anyone knows him out there. If you're listening to this right now and you're like, motherfuckers, this guy's famous. I know this dude. Uh, please get in touch. Cause, oh, whoa, this is wild, Chris. Mm-hmm. So kick, click on that guy, Kevin Annis. From the Lifesavers? Yeah. Uh, okay, yep. Yeah. He's the brother of Mike Annis, who is better known as Alter Yo, Mike Stan. There we go. Dude, this has just made a whole lot more sense. So, yeah, I definitely, there's no doubt I have to hear this LP. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Uh, I'll be so bummed. If this is better, I'm going to be so bummed that I came to this late. Because that first Alter Boys is unreal. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's got to be, but it's like three years earlier than that first It Alter is, Boys. I know, which speaks to like. Yeah. I've still never heard the second well, there's many, but the the set the one after the first, When You're a Rebel, which is like the best ADZ name 
and should have been like the name for, you know, like a, a Vile Tones LP that never happened or something. But um, anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, I got to, uh, I got to try and like track down some more of these records. There's yeah. also, I just clicked on Deliverance, which is the first Christian thrash speed metal band in CCM history, which later shifted towards progressive metal. Where are you seeing that from? I don't uh, if you click on Kevin Lee, which I think is just an alias, <laughs> alias for Kevin uh, Ennis. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, it says he's ex-members of this band Deliverance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Records called What a Joke on Intense Records from 91. Damn, huh. this thing looks sick. Yeah, that cover is fucking hilarious. Looks a little sketchy, actually. To be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know. It came out in Europe. <laughs> it got reissued in 2011. Wow, it's like but, a, it's uh, actually like a, a sought-after little uh, record. Well, I think some of the stuff. This is only on CD, though. This one. No, this is an LP. Well, I don't. the The one I'm looking at from '91 is thing, but okay. There's an early one. If you, uh, yeah. Oh, you there's one from '82 before. Okay. Yeah. Man, we're learning so much tonight. Well, there, there, I have a, I have an intrigue with some of this stuff for sure, but it's more, more so on the back of like the fact that the Ultra Boys LP is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's my, uh, that's my, uh, whatever, my, my pearls of wisdom on this. <laughs> your piece, and you're sticking to it. Yeah. Uh, well, is there anything else we should talk about today? Oh, probably, but I can't think. Well, I don't know. Do you want to talk about 15 or something like that? I was going to say we should talk about 15. Yeah. you. So this is a group I've never really gotten into all that much. So you'll have to pontificate more like than Like at me, all, Chris? At all? No, at all? never really got Like I'm, I'm aware of it, but I've never – no, I can't tell you if I've well, ever listened to a full 15 record. I'm glad we got to this topic because it brings up something I wanted to bring off the, up off the top, which I was kind of like, yeah, should we bring it up? Uh what are your least favorite or what are the favorite or what are some of the most notable? Uh, because 15 has a song that's their anti-maximum rock and roll song. But uh, what are some of the other notable anti-maximum rock and roll songs from pop punk? And these are bands that were probably slagged too. But 15 is, they've got a song, I think it's called MRR. I don't know. I, offhand, I can't remember... I'm trying to remember oh. the name of the song now, probably 15. Max Rock and Roll. Got the, the chorus in my head. Uh, <laughs> okay, but anyway. Song, uh, I'm Telling Tim by No Effects. Okay, yeah, sorry. But I MRR, never, that's the name of the song. I never took the, I'm Telling Tim, I never took as like a, di- you know what I mean? Like I get the, it's clever enough. I never took that as like a. That's why they, they aren't necessarily diss songs, I guess. Just yeah. More like. You know, but like Max Rock and Roll, songs about Max Rock and Roll. Um, but yeah, no, like 15 is definitely a band that, you know, I, I like, f- you fell in love with as a kid. I think I got into them through Green Day. Green Day covers them. Okay. They do Swain's uh, first on, I'm trying to remember what song they do. On, on one of the Green Day live records, I think they covered 15. And that's how we got into them. Of course, is the post Crimp Shrine band. 
featuring uh, Jeff Odd and, and Jack from Crimshrine in the early lineup. And there's been a bunch of people over Think over the years that have joined. Uh, and uh, yeah, they put out uh, several records, jumped around to different labels, including uh, Grass Records at one point. Yeah, so what uh, the one thing I was most curious about as someone who doesn't really know much about this group, you two were describing them as breaking up essentially because they became successful or didn't want to be or what have you. Yeah. What parse that? Like what what's that about? What do you There's this whole record, I think it's on there's a No Place Like Home that they kind of like put that out as their final record. And the whole thing was they were going to like not play anymore because he's like being in a band just destroys the earth. And yeah, like I don't want to do this anymore. And there's actually like a show of their there's an LP sorry of their last show. Mm. Um, I think it's Allegra. I think is the the record. There's an LP. There's a da, 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 or if, well, there's an Alive at Gilman one too that came out posthumously. But oh yeah, maybe it's the Alive at Gilman ones. No, no, but there is Allegra is from '96. This is two LP. Maybe, uh, it maybe doesn't it seem Allegra. like it's Allegra. No, they must have broken up after Allegra. No, you're right. Recorded live at live to dad at Gilman. Last show. Not I think I think they did the surprise record. And okay, then, and then maybe broke up after that. Either way, though, so so they essentially they had this sort of the still like the whatever the Crimshine kind of uh, ethos or like the yeah that was like the okay I get what you mean because I always heard the name I always confuse them with. Um, there's like a stoner group that has like a one word name. 16? Like 16? Might be 16 even. 16 is fucking incredible. Yeah. There's so also that's... 13, which is yeah. like the the kind of like, uh, I think it was like Mike from I Hate God's wife's band, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It was something like that, but I was confused that. So no, 15 I never, definitely never got into, but I never really got into Crimshine either. Um like again, I'm aware of these things, but I never, I couldn't tell you much about the records. A great band. Cool. Great, great band. So I'm just trying to find out if they did break up or if I'm completely talking my ass on them breaking up. Yeah, the group reformed. Okay, good. They did break up. Okay, good. 15 reformed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It said, uh, uh, the band broke up after that surprise record and then reformed in 1997. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, they're they're and then they broke up again in the year two thousand. Yeah, it's their last whatever studio album seems to be from two thousand. Yeah. All right. Um. But that is uh that is that. Any anything else you want to talk about today? No, I think we're good. I um I wish you luck on your upcoming tour, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, if you're in Europe and so inclined, come and see Fucked Up. We are going to be playing some shows for the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's going to make footnotes a little bit difficult. So we will we will come back and do footnotes again when I get back. For sure. Um, and I think there will be some interesting episodes uh, for us to talk about, Chris. Oh, yeah, for sure. Anyway, that is it for this week on the show. Tony Molina. The uh, architect of one of my favorite records of last year, and I think a record that you became a fan of recently as well, Chris. Yeah, for sure. I was really impressed by that record. I highly recommend it. 
uh, he will be the guest on next week's show. And it's a really fun conversation with uh, a really cool, badass musician as we love to have on this show. And we like to have conversations with people that aren't musicians too, but you know, we especially love musicians. So thank you again to Julian Baker for being so fucking rad. And uh, yeah, that, that is it. Uh, go out there and make your own culture, sign your organ donor cards and come and see fucked up on tour. If you're in parts of Europe next week, a lot of specifics for that request, but you know, and a baby Gopal on pink would be nice too. <laughs> bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then place a five dollar wager on any sport you'll receive 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome and if you think the fun stops there the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.